I will call to order the Peace River Town Council regular meeting for Monday, September the 28th, 2020. Let the record show that we uh, started at eight minutes after five. Uh, all councillors should have an agenda in front of them. Are there uh, any additions, Mr. Parker? There are, Your Worship. Okay. Uh, yeah, we have one under section 14 uh, in camera. It's uh, FOIP section 16, economic development of a third party. Okay. Great. Um, interest of a third party, sorry. Okay. Uh, any deletions? Or is that too much to ask, Mr. Uh, no, there is none, Your Worship. <clears throat> uh, so uh, do I have a motion to adopt the agenda as amended? Uh, uh, Councillor Downing, all in favor? Uh, we will then execute the agenda. Uh, it, that takes us to the minutes. The minutes of the September 14, 2020 regular council meeting was uh, was included in the package. Are there any changes that are required there? All in favor? That takes us to the public hearing for bylaw 2077. This is amended land use bylaw. This amends Bent land use bylaw 1891 to enable funeral services. So uh, if I can get a motion to uh, open the public hearing for uh, bylaw, eight, uh, bylaw 2077. Deputy Mayor, all in favor? Okay. I hereby declare the statutory public hearing open at uh, 10 minutes after five and note that this hearing is held pursuant to section 7, 8, 230, 606, and 692 of the Municipal Government Act. Uh, any member of the public viewing this hearing via the video live stream may submit comments via info, I-N-F-O, at peaceriver.ca. Can I uh, ask the executive assistant, uh, Ms. McQuaig, to confirm what the purpose of this public hearing is and uh, when the public hearing notice was advertised in the local newspaper? And if there were any written submissions received and not included in the public hearing agenda package, and if you could read those into the record. Your Worship, the purpose of this public hearing is bylaw 2077 to amend 1891, the land use bylaw to enable funeral services. The statutory public hearing notice was published in the local newspaper, the Record Gazette on September 16th and 23rd, 2020. And the notice was provided in accordance with bylaw 2034, the advertising bylaw, by electronically posting the notice prominently on the Town of Peace River website, electronically posting a note in the Peace River's official social media sites, and by posting the notice prominently on the bulletin board provided for that purpose at the Town Hall main entrance. As of this time, no written submissions have been received by the Town Office. Okay, very good. So if I can uh, just advise all persons giving oral presentations, if the, uh, when they come forward to the speaker's table to clearly state their name and, that the, and try and keep those presentations 
brief and to the point. I will now call on Alicia Modi, the development officer, uh, to present the, uh, the bylaw. Thank you, Your Worship. And thank you for indulging me and allowing me to attend via Zoom this evening. Uh, so bylaw 2077 um, was drafted because we received the development or a land use bylaw amendment application to enable funeral services in a variety of land use districts within the town of Peace River. The application asked to add funeral services to seven districts, um, the majority of our commercial and industrial districts. Uh, the intention was to ensure flexibility in terms of a location for a new business in town uh, through the proposed amendment to the land use bylaw. Funeral services is currently a discretionary and defined use within our land use bylaw. It is discretionary currently in the mixed commercial residential district where our existing Chapel of Memories funeral home and crematorium is located and the community development district where the Peace River Mount Pleasant Cemetery is located. Uh, Funeral services is defined as a development used for the preparation of the dead for burial, the purification and or reduction of human body by heat, and may include the holding of associated services. Typical uses include funeral homes and crematoriums. The bylaw that was drafted adds funeral services to six of the seven requested land use districts. And you can see that in the figure we provide on page three of the RFD. Um, it was not included in the M1A district, that's a light industrial district, because that district is applied to a very select uh, area of the town where a funeral services would not be appropriate. Um, funeral services is a use that is defined in many ways across uh, the land use bylaws of similarly sized uh, communities in Alberta. Um, and it is enabled typically in a mix of commercial and industrial land use districts. It's slightly less typical for it to be listed in the primary industrial district of a community, which in this case would be the town's light industrial district M1, um, which covers a very large portion of our industrial lands. But there are lands within the town, uh, within the M1 district where funeral services could be reasonably uh, located. So we have included that in the bylaw. Uh, when we are considering uh, funeral services in the M1 district or any light industrial district, we would be considering the appropriateness of the location, um, whether it was adjacent to a main commercial road so it was easily accessed by the public, um, if there's an easy access for the public parking area at the entrance of the building, and also adjacency to certain industrial uses that could create nuisance factors which wouldn't be appropriate um, when providing funeral services such as noise, odor, or vibrations. So those are all factors that would be considered by the Municipal Planning Commission at the time of, of a development permit application. I, I do want to note, since we are currently in the process of reviewing our land use bylaw, that uh, the way the bylaw is organized today and the way the bylaw will be organized in the future is likely to change. So it's possible that when we are looking at our new bylaw, we will be refining um, where funeral services would be allowed within the, the industrial area, uh, because I think we might be tweaking how we're applying our industrial districts to the industrial lands. So that is something that could come in the future. And I just wanted to bring it up since we are making a change to the bylaw today, there might be a further change in the future down the line. That being said, based on my understanding of the applicant's intentions, I don't think that that would affect their application or their proposed location. So today and under our current land use bylaw, we would be enabling um, 
funeral services as a discretionary use in those industrial areas. And that would allow us the ability and the flexibility to, to consider the application on a site specific basis. Uh, so as uh, Ms. McQuaig said, the bylaw was drafted or advertised in accordance with our advertising bylaw. And we have received only feedback from our neighboring rural municipalities uh, where we provided the land use bylaw amendment to them pursuant to our intermunicipal development plans. And in all cases, our neighbors have indicated that they don't have any specific concerns related to the bylaw. Uh, so there are three options before council this evening uh, that you provide second and third reading to the bylaw, which would allow the applicant to make an application for a, a location in town and would provide the NPC the discretion about where that location would be provides flexibility to the applicant as well. Uh, council could provide second reading to the bylaw and direct us administration to any changes that council would like to see to the bylaw prior to giving it third reading, or council could defeat or not provide second reading to bylaw 2077. It is our recommendation that council provide second and third reading, third reading to the bylaw. I can take any questions. Well, you probably also want to note Ms. Modi that this bylaw was not uh, to expand funeral services was not prompted by the pandemic. Not my knowledge. <laughs> and uh, because we want to downplay the virus issue. Um, yes, any questions of Ms. Modi? No. Oh, yes. Uh, we it, well, a not a question, Your Worship, but if, uh, if we're done, I would certainly be prepared to. Uh, Offer a motion for second reading of uh, 2077, if uh, if I may. I'm sorry, it's still it's in the item, uh, Councillor. The hearing is not yet complete. We're not quite prepared for that point yet. But uh, thanks for trying to move the uh, the agenda along, Mr. Needham. Um, so uh, I will now call on those in favor of the bylaw who wish to uh, come up and speak uh, uh, to come forward to the speaker's table. Or if there's somebody on the Zoom meeting that wants to, uh, to raise their hand. Please. Um, I really think um, Alicia uh, hit the nail on the head with basically everything that I had to say. Um, it has nothing to do with the pandemic. It has been a, <laughs> a, a time in the making that, you know, I kind of wanted to uh, come forward and bring our services. We do have families that we have served in the community already. Um, and we're just looking to come in and make it a little bit easier for them um, and to have us close by and allowed to, to be able to use our services as well. So um, don't really have much else to say as uh, Alicia kind of brought forward everything. So. Well, great, welcome. Uh, Christy, sorry. And your last name was? Heck, H-E-C-K. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, is there anyone else in favor of the bylaw that wants to come forward and uh, say anything? Okay. It's all been said. Great. 
So I will uh, now call on those that may be opposed to the bylaw to uh, that wish to speak to uh, come forward. And uh, is there anyone on Zoom that has raised their hand? Okay. I will assume that there is no one opposed to this bylaw. I will now call on any person deemed to be affected who wishes to be heard uh, to come forward and uh, to the uh, to the speaker's table and if they want to uh, add anything. Okay, uh, first call, second call, and third call. Very good. Um, and I will uh, uh, do. Ms. Modi, do you wish to make a concluding statement other than to recommend uh, passage of these, this bylaw? Uh, that's our recommendation once the public hearing is closed and uh, it's time for the readings that council proceed with both second and third reading this evening. And Ms. Heck, do you want to make a concluding statement? Okay, very good. Uh, seeing that all presentations have been made, I will now declare the public hearing closed at uh, 22 minutes after five. So we, uh, just for the uh, proponents, I, uh, we generally deal with uh, passage of the bylaw after the presentations. And uh, so we'll, uh, so, so if you want to stick around for that, you'll probably have to, you'll, you'll get some great presentations though. I, I think this, uh, we, I'm going to call on uh, Ecole Catrevin uh, to come forward and, uh, and I think it'll be quite an upbeat presentation. Some exciting information to be had. Hello, everyone. Hello. Thank you for having us. Uh, my name is Sylviane Maisonneuve. I am board chair for Conseil scolaire du Nord-Ouest. Uh, and we're here to present on École des tonight. I'm accompanied with um, Josia Gagnon, project manager for the new construction of École des Quatre-Vents, uh, as well as two trustees to my right, Madeleine Fortin-Bergeron, mm -hmm. and to my left, Colleen Gagnon. Mm -hmm. And our superintendent in the far back, Bridget Propelnicki. All right, excellent. So uh, I'm thinking you must have gotten our presentation ahead of time. And are you able to see it on your screen and follow along? Great. So as you know, um, we, uh, the government of Alberta announced a new construction for Ecali here in Peace River. And we have been slowly working towards uh, the um, realization of that project. Uh, today, we're here to uh, share a project description, uh, vision for our new school, and tell you a little bit about where we are at now, and answer any questions and comments um, that you might have. Uh, this is very exciting for us, and for the town of Peace River as well. I think this is uh, 
uh, a great uh, uh, new project and a great service having in the town of Peace River. So on slide two, you have a project description that was uh, submitted by the government of Alberta. Uh, our project has been approved for a K to 12 school with a capacity of 233 students. Uh, we presently have about 100 students enrolled at school. And so we, have, we will have space to grow. And uh, if and when the time comes, uh, the school will, will be able to, um, will be able to add on four portables to increase the capacity to 319 students. When we were here before, um, we spoke to you about community spaces. Um, the Ecole des Quatre Mars Replacement School will include additional spaces for the Francophone community. Um, we've been working with Alberta Education and they have made a request on our behalf for federal funding to include a preschool space and a multi-use community space. The funding for this has not yet been approved. Uh, so uh, the board, the CSNO, is investing in the, requ the required funds in order to include these spaces in the school design because we absolutely don't want uh, to build a school without these spaces as uh, the preschool has been an integral part of our school community since the school's in inception and has been run by the board since 2011. So this is very important to us. So we, we've been working on that and, and hoping for a favorable response. Um, we are expecting an answer from the federal government in spring of 2021. Uh, we have also received some uh, financial contribution from La CFA, um, Association Canadienne Française de l'Alberta, uh, de Rivière la Tête, to support and ensure that the preschool space is included in, in the design. So they have uh, forwarded some money and are supporting the project and will hopefully be able to use some of those spaces for their uh, community events and meetings. Uh, unfortunately, uh, an auditorium is not included in the project as sufficient community need and support could not be demonstrated. So our vision for the new school uh, is really to create a learning environment for the student of the 21st century. We want it to be welcoming, safe and caring, the environment. Uh, we have wanted to uh, integrate Francophone culture. We want a natural design, uh, natural materials, light, and color. Our architects have been actively consulting all students and, and stakeholders to ensure the project, project reflects and meets the needs of our students first, as well as the community. So the, com the school community has enthusiastically shared their ideas for the project and is on board about the direction so far. Um, Yeah, so we're trying to, to make the school as best as possible within the limits of budget space and projected timeline. So we've been working uh, in the past months during the summer uh, on uh, ideas and examples. So in the following slides, I think we're on slide five, six. Yeah, so follow, after slide six are um, ideas and examples uh, that, that, that have been um, circulating in order to inspire the kids and talk about what we want this school to look like. And uh, um, so nothing has been decided yet. We're still planning. And so these images that you see, so slide seven is um, a picture of uh, Roy Bickle Public School in Grand Prairie. And these are all the, all the pictures you will see are schools that were designed and built by the architecture that will do the one here in Peace River. Um, so our vision for this is that the school will keep its natural look while being very welcoming. Uh, lots of light, welcoming entrance. Um, 
And in the 21st century, learning can happen in the classroom, but also outside the classroom. So in, in uh, the next slide shows uh, just like the, the entrance of the school where there's stairs and uh, there's actually learning going on right in the hallway with a whiteboard on the hallway wall. So this is how we envision the new school. Also in the next slide is a, a picture from Peerless Lake School in Trout Lake, Alberta. Uh, as a Francophone school board, we want our school to represent our culture and, and the landscape of the Francophone community in the Peace River region. So the, in this example, you see in Peerless Lake, uh, there's the lakes that are kind of integrated into the flooring uh, tile and on the walls are uh, symbols of uh, seven teachings, logos of seven teachings. So in our case, we want the design to include uh, Francophone aspects of the Francophone culture and pride. Uh, we need our school to be flexible, open, multifunctional and dynamic. So you see classrooms with open, um, uh, expandable classrooms with opening walls so that they could be smaller or larger, uh, flexible for many uses. Um, also, we're looking at opening up spaces and, and maximizing natural light, lots of windows. Um, as I said before, being able to use spaces that are for, for one activity, but also for another activity, not limiting ourselves. Um, on the slide 12, um, the library will be a, com a learning common and it will include learning uh, flexible spaces. So not only containing books, but also uh, areas where students can assemble and, and, and exchange or learn. Um, we haven't yet confirmed what our CTS classes will, what CTS classes will be taught, uh, but we know that these spaces will need to be flexible so that we can cater to our students changing needs. We don't want uh, to have classrooms that are set to teach one thing and only one thing. So that's very important to us. Uh, you have a couple slides showing different things uh, and the classrooms will be set up in a way that they can, you can uh, have a, a, a cooking class, but at the same time also have a math class in the same classroom. Uh, not at the same time, but you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, technology, music, and arts are, are presently a big component at Ecole des Um So now we'll have appropriate spaces for to teach these, uh, these subjects for our students. So that's very exciting. Uh, we're looking forward to this. Um, um, so in regards to timeline, uh, where we're at now, uh, the, well, this past summer uh, was the schematic design phase. Um, starting next month in October, we're going into the design development report and development applications. So that's where we are now. Uh, by December, 2020, we hope to be, uh, or have, I'm not sure what all this means, but maybe you guys do issue our, our RFP for design builder. And by March, uh, we will award the design builder contract and Christmas following, uh, the, uh, by December 2022, the construction should be completed. Um, so right now, um, you see in the, in, on slide 16, I believe, I'm not, I'm not really sure. Um, that is the site plan. Uh, of, of our school as it is now. So um, you have the old building on the left uh, and then the future building on the right in, in darker darker charcoal. So if you if you look at, at that site carefully, we're, we're actually limited by three right of ways that, that surround the property. So on all sides, I'm not sure if 
Ajazia, you want to explain that? Can you explain that better than I can? Uh, just because legally we can't build over right away and there's tree right aways that are kind of constricting our building into that little square. Um, so we are working with the uh, municipal development um, of the town to uh, see what we can do about those right aways. So, uh, and then on the last slide, uh, you see a preliminary floor plan. And this plan is, is what we're looking at for our new school, but it's changing all the time. Uh, so it's still being worked on. And um, uh, already we have, a, we have a different version apparently. And we just wanted to show you what the inside might look like and what the space, how the spaces will be distributed um, approximately. So yeah, that's our new project. Uh, Thank you for your time and we'd be willing to answer any questions or, or, or listen to comments if you have any. Um, very exciting and nice to uh, see. It's me. Sorry. <laughs> I know. We look at Zoom. Who is talking here? <laughs> um, Anyways, uh, so the uh, gym, will it accommodate like uh, one basketball court, two basketball courts? Or what kind of size are you maybe looking at for that? It's a regular size gym. So it will Single. accommodate like high school uh, tournament of some sort. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Great. But, but a single gym, not, not double. Yeah, yeah. Is there um, audience uh, bleachers or anything in the gym or depends on? Future plan. Uh, we haven't gotten that far yet. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, uh, more power to you. And uh, so you would occupy the old building site as construction happens beyond a fence on the present site. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yes, the, the the present building will stay there until the, the future yeah. building is completely yeah. built. Uh, there will be a fence for security purposes between the two buildings. And uh, I think we're looking at a partial demolition uh, in order to gain a, some foot, some uh, some yeah, heat yeah, yeah. Uh, in the building process. Well, good luck and good luck with your time frame and your your monies. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, thank you. <laughs> but um, so uh, the auditorium isn't so the auditorium you weren't able to go ahead with that but is there room like it looks like there isn't even room for an auditorium if we were to well, somehow make that happen because the idea of the auditorium was to uh, basically replace Athabasca Hall at least in our mind so that we would collaborate on that, but would there even be room there to put an auditorium that could host theater, community theater? Well, for, for sure at this point, we the plan doesn't accommodate that space. So uh, right now, no. <laughs> uh, but there isn't even room, is there? Would you put it, where would you even put it? Yeah, it, it would be tight without, yeah. without demolishing the school before the, the new building comes up. I don't know that. that uh, oh, so you're going to demolish the old building? Yes. Oh, completely. Oh, yes. okay. It's kind of sad, actually. Yeah. 
but yeah. I'm surprised that we we wouldn't be. Yeah, it seemed like it was in pretty good shape. So I'm a bit surprised that you'd have to demolish that. <laughs> well, it was it was obviously lacking, but but it for sure has a lot of history and and that character it was one of one of the only. I think there are two schools in in Alberta that are built in a circular fashion like this school. So it's a little piece of of history that will be disappeared for sure. Hmm. Okay. Mr. Good. I'd just like to say for the record that I noticed that there was a very um, passionate shaking of the head at the back at the comment in good shape. So I just I just wanted to make sure that was noted. Thank you. <laughs> and I do appreciate that. Honestly, well, thank you so much for having us and uh, good luck with the rest of your meeting. And we hope that uh, once we're at that point that we can invite you and come and tour our new school. Great, thank you. Thank you. And uh, talking about taxes and finances, if I could have NMP uh, come forward and present the results of the financial audit. Ms. Peterson. All right, hello again around the table. Um, so this one um, will be significantly shorter. We went through the, the nitty gritty meat and potatoes when I was uh, here to, to meet with you before and uh, um, there were really no changes to do those statements other than you know cleaning up some of those um, uh, cosmetic type things that I had mentioned about uh, at, at the time. Um, I don't know if there's anything specific, uh, follow-up questions or, or anything like that, that, that you'd like to go through. Um, I, I don't, I don't feel the need to, to go through all of those numbers again and then put everyone to sleep. Um, right. But if you could, um, summarize it so that, uh, the public can get a good sense of what of uh, the findings of the financial audit. Um, okay, so um, again, really, really grand scheme uh, numbers. Um, the the consolidated um, operating expenses um, up eight point four percent, but again, with the um, finished construction and, and opening of of the arena, there certainly was to uh, be expected some some increase in expenses there. Um, the the other um, expense we had spoken about before that um, I had been looking for a little bit of follow up was, of course, um, some expenses related to your assistance with the uh, forest fire situation. Um, so that was uh, again some some expenses in in that year. Um, when when you look at at the financial statements and then again we've talked before about you know comparing budget to to actual uh the the statements do show um 7.2 million over budget but you know the reminder that uh, amortization is is not currently budgeted for uh and so that is about 6.6 .6 
million for for the town. Um, and so at the end of the day, the the amount above um, the the budget was uh, about five hundred ninety thousand. But again, those costs related to those the forest fires was about half a million dollars ish. You know that that wouldn't have been budgeted for. So uh, I think you know once you kind of back out some of those uh, unusual items, um, you know you were um, fairly close. Um, the the capital expenses um, were were down um, from 2018. Again, the the bulk of, of the construction for uh, the arena was was happening and, and kind of finished up in in 2019. So um, at the end of the day, the the construction was about uh, five million less um, on on capital uh, expenditure side. Um, and you know, related to to those capital projects and things like that, we had spoken about uh, the the cash position of of the town uh, decreasing. But there are uh, you know some some grant money sitting in receivables that uh, will be will be coming in once uh, that's all all approved. Um, there was no new long term debt uh, in in 2019, uh, but some use of of the uh, uh, operating line of credit, um, but again, I uh, expect that to be, um, you know, refunded with with some of the the collection of the receivables there. Um, so again, with with the cash decrease, the liquidity position did did drop, um, but with a big capital project like that, where you're you're spending, you know, short term cash on a on a long term asset, that's sort of to be to be expected. Uh, so when we're looking at the uh, debt um, at the end of 2019, uh, the percentage of the debt limit used is at 57% uh, of the maximum. Um, and as I understand, there's a couple of um, debentures coming into play in, in 2020 here, um, again, to, to refund some of those costs on, on capital projects already spent, um, which, which does, you know, reduce the, the boring capacity available for for the, the near future, but uh, you did kind of whittle away some some of the debenture debt um, in, in 2019 because you didn't didn't have uh, any new new debentures that year. Um, so I mean I think the the overall you know position and and the the goals I think for for the town would be to you know improve that that liquidity um, again making sure the reserves are fully funded. Uh, making sure you know you've got your your ten-year capital plan projects and and make sure those are are fully funded and and that's kind of where um, you know my recommendations would be to to be focusing on financially wise. Okay. Your worship, if I may, I'll okay. just add a few comments to to this and. For those who can't see me on Zoom, <laughs> apologize for that. Uh, Greg Town, Director of Corporate Services. Um, as the auditor had mentioned, and for anyone who looks at the financial statements, they will notice that the cash and cash equivalent number has gone down significantly. Um, and we're all aware, and I think it's important for the public to be aware, is this is the final or the ending of the funding for the multiplex capital project. These are cyclical in nature in terms of uh, large projects being done. So we save, 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 spend, and now we'll be save, 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 save mode for the next project. So um, this also goes hand in hand with our reserve balances. We have been saving and parking money there. Um, so our reserves, 
um, have decreased this year, but again, that's the cyclical nature of capital internal project funding. So, um, you know, if, if a layperson were to look at this and say, well, the town's doing much worse, um, in the short term, yes, there was the hit to be able to pay for the project. Um, we incurred some debt and we also funded a lot of it internally. So that's the nature of it. Um, if you do look at our liabilities though, I mean, that number is generally static. So it's not like we're incurring mm -hmm. um, more debt or payables to do this. Um, the other thing that I just wanted to reemphasize, and you can see this on some of our um, income statement type schedules. So this would be the um, statement of financial activities and also schedule five, which is the consolidated expenses by object. Um, and the one before schedule four, the revenues and expenses that we had budgeted for are generally in line with the actuals that are coming through. So, you know, from an adherence to our operating budget, um, we're doing quite well in um, being close to the operating budget, which at the municipal level um, doesn't happen that regularly. Um, and again, plus or minus half a million dollars on the expenditure side, but as the auditor mentioned, we did have that one-time expense of... What page are you on, Mr. Um, Mr. So I'm kind of talking and flipping around, but I... So what okay. I'll do is I'll say page, and I'll focus on the expenses to start. So page number... Page number 11. Okay which is our consolidated expenses by object. Um, if I look at the bottom number and it shows a budget of $21 million and then actual of $28.2 million, if you back out the amortization or depreciation amounts, both mm -hmm. for ourselves, um, um, and that would include waste management company, um, our budget's actually 20.5 million and our actuals are 21.1 million, which is a difference of $600,000, which is really in line with the expenditure that we incurred for forest fire assistance. Hmm. So from an expenditure perspective, we were almost bang on um, budget, if you look at that. And again, that's just our ongoing um, adherence and review to the budget and, and making sure that we were spending properly. Um, so you, you have to do a little bit of, of math sometimes to to parse out this information, of course, I'd be happy to talk to council or the public if anyone has any any questions on this. Um, but we always circle back towards what does how are we doing compared to budget? Mm -hmm. And if you do look at that, um, even though it's difficult to tell because the consolidated financial statements pick up capital expenditures in line with operating, um, we do a, a very good job of, of adhering towards the budget and. Again, not overspending or underspending or overcharging taxes or under recovering. So um, we, we do a good job there. And again, as I mentioned on the balance sheet, the cyclical nature of these capital projects has us in a time where we have spent and saving will be a priority over the next couple of years. Okay. And uh, the forest fire expenditures, don't we get that back from the from the provincial yep. government? Uh, we are. So it is set up as a receivable at year end. Okay. And it's still set up as a receivable currently. We're still new, we're working with the province to, to finalize a collection of that money. Okay. And again, the information that they're looking for, we need to go back and provide a greater level of detail than we expected. 
Yeah, those guys always trying to download. I'm smiling under my mask. You can't tell. Me. Um, well, I, I hope you uh, you send that quote to the premier. Um, <laughs> any uh, any other questions of Mr. Town? Yes. Um, on page ten, the government transfers. Do you want to speak a little bit to that, or maybe you already have, and I just missed it. Page 10. Um, so page 10, are we talking, so there's transfers for operating and transfers for capital, are you focused on? So the, the transfers for capital, and are you looking at the year-to-year -year difference? Yeah, so in 2018, that was the year that we build and receive significant contributions um, from our municipal partners for the multiplex funding. So again, if you recall, um, Northern Sunrise County contributed $6 million towards the multiplex. Um, Northern Lights were in for a couple million and, and whatnot. And this would be, um, sorry, I'm this is provincial government. I'm not even looking at the right column because um, I'd be other local governments. So in terms of provincial government, um, that'd be again, funding for capital type projects in the province gave us substantial money in 2018 for the um, 99th street slide project. Mm. Um, so again, these are these are transfers for, for capital projects that um, is from the province. And there may be some federal monies um, scooped up in there because I do believe it was a 50-50 split, but um, other levels of government did provide um, funding for capital projects in greater amounts in 2018 than we were able to obtain in 2019. Good. So, um, Ms. Uh, Peterson, uh, the uh, so one of the other things that you look at is is that policies, financial policies, and our adherence to those, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. And so, uh, is um, could you speak to that? Uh, is there any uh, any compliance issues by staff with adherence to those policies? Well, in, in our testing, we usually find, you know, uh, something, you know, didn't get signed off here or, or an incorrect code mm -hmm. there. There's nothing in, in our, our testing that, that indicates there's a, a pervasive problem um, with that. We, we always, you know, dig a little deeper and, and see if it was a one-time thing, if there's an issue with a certain vendor or, or an issue with, you know, a certain time period or, or anything like that. And, and uh, there, there wasn't anything, you know, that gave us concerns. There's a, a pervasive problem with, with the controls, but, you know, as, as with anything, there's, there's the one time two pieces of paper got stuck together or, you know, what have you. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, so uh, having gone through this audit, do you have any suggestions for improvements uh, regarding uh, like best practices, financial reporting, anything? you'd want to recommend um we we have sort of our our overall uh, management letter that uh you know we we provide um i i generally don't go go through it um kind of in in the public meetings it does get kind of specific on you know specific testing and and things like that um but uh, you know overall uh again you know a few, a few little things to to kind of clean up we've talked about 
uh, you know, reviewing the, your policies for allowance for doubtful accounts and making sure that, you know, the, the valuation of your receivables is, is, uh, is accurate and, and uh, um, you know, reviewing your, your asset listings to, to make sure that, um, you know, everything is, is kind of in, in good shape and, and good value for, for what's being recorded there. Um, and, and that's kind of a, an ongoing thing that, you know, we, we recommend for, for everybody. Okay, great. Um, and do you, so do you think that uh, we've improved in terms of financial reporting and financial practices in the last five years, let's say? Um, I, I mean, I think it's, it's sometimes there, there gets to be, you know, focuses on, on certain areas. So, you know, some of the management letter points I may have had five years ago, you know, we're certainly seen you know improvements in in that but um you know then like i say we we may see some some other areas that um were were kind of left left to the side a little bit so in certain things uh you know absolutely i i would say there's there's been some some improvements in in tightening controls and processes and uh um you know it's it's especially hard in um you know as we're, we're getting to be more digital uh, you know, the, the old control of dual signatures on checks isn't the gold standard anymore. And, uh, you know, with with electronic signatures and signature stamps and, and all those kinds of things, you know, there's there's new new fraud risks and, and things like that that, you know, we have to kind of be keeping an eye on. And then, so that would be, you know, my, my one comment about, you know, changes in the last five years is the, the movement towards more electronic uh, you know, approvals and systems and, and things like that have created new new policies and, and processes that you know need to be need to be reviewed and evaluated. So, mm -hmm. okay. And uh, I just one last question, and I think uh, and it's for both of you, but I, I think uh, uh, Mr. Town tried to uh, address this. Um, so, so how do you what do you feel is the and if you could keep it uh, succinct. What do, how do you feel uh, about the financial position of the town right now? Maybe I should ask the financial auditor and then I'll, I'll ask Greg for a rebuttal if he thinks what's needed. <laughs> uh, my, and, and again, as I said before, to, to me, the, the focus that, that I would, would be having is to you know improve the funding of reserves, improve the, the liquidity to um, you know, kind of bring bring those cash balances up and make sure that the reserves that have been, you know, set aside are are all covered and financed so that when you have those projects, the the cash is available. So that would that would be my comment. Right. So, do you have recommendations about for the levels of reserves that you would include in the management level uh, management letter? I, I uh, which you're going to send to us probably next week or something. Like well, that. I'll have it ready tomorrow. Um, it's, uh, no, and I get that question a lot about, you know, how much should every place have, uh, and it's going to vary place to place and, and project to project, you know, for, for, you know, the, the town, it depends, you know, on, on what, what is the 10 year goal of the town? Are we looking to expand out if we've got, um, you know, some, um, industrial structures we need to, to deal with, or are we looking to, you know, replace existing things and 
and you know just kind of on be on a on a maintained level. So you know municipalities that are into growth phase are you know their their level of reserves are likely going to be different than those that are on a maintained phase. So there's no magic number as to to what it should be, but um, my comment would be is if you have you know said you've set aside money for a specific reason, whatever that may be, the money should be there to to back it up. Uh, do you want to add anything to that, Mr. Town? Uh, no, I think I'll just reiterate what Ms. Peterson said in terms of we do need to, to focus on uh, increasing our internal um, uh, reserve balances. Um, the focus over the next uh, 12 months will be on reducing some of our receivable balances. We need to do better um, on project funding to be a bit more timely on those and, and uh, try to expedite um, payments for those uh, federal, provincial, and other type um, monies that are available to us. Um, it, it is onerous, but it's something that we need to, to spend the time to do. Um, and yeah, I think those will be the, the big focuses over the next uh, 12 months for the department. Okay. Uh, one last look around for questions. Oh, and I will say we are committed to uh, Make sure we pay all the income tax that is due to the federal government. Um, uh, we'll all commit us to that. Well, just keep it uh, at $750 or less, please. Yeah, we're good. Good. Okay, we will uh, thank you very much. Thank you, we, we will need a motion to um, approve. To approve this yes, budget, okay, uh, perhaps. We can get a motion to for someone to approve to approve the uh, financial audit report. Mr. Good, all in favor? Okay. Very good. That now takes us to I would imagine it's uh, unfinished business of which there is none, and we will now go to. Oh, is it the bylaw that's first here? Good. Okay, I thought they would be under new business. Okay, so um, we have a bylaw. Uh, we had a hearing on it. I don't know. Is there anyone that has any more any questions? On it? Okay, so uh, I will uh, ask Mr. Uh, Mr. Needham to to put forward his uh, motion. Well, thank you, Your Worship, and uh, gives me an opportunity to. Uh, to save myself here, my enthusiasm was looking for a, a COVID motion to uh, sort of move this item along. So uh, I should know that uh, democracy requires some time and a process. So my apologies uh, for getting ahead of myself. Uh, yes, I would put a motion on the floor for second reading for bylaw 2077. Okay, all in favor? Anyone wishing to make the third, uh, third reading for the bylaw? Uh, Councillor Downing? All in favor? Bylaw is passed. Thank you, Your Worship. So, uh, under new business, we have a briefing note on regarding operating and capital variance uh, uh, statements or reports. Oh. Oh, yes, we. Oh, okay. Is okay. Yeah, we should do that. 
light of COVID, we're going to keep social distance for this. Oh, okay. So we're just going to stand behind the desk or what? <laughs> You better get Councillor Downing in here. She's yeah. We can we can do you right here. We can bring you in. Here. No, we're smiling, right? <laughs> yes, please. Smile with your eyes. I'm gonna clean the fog off my glasses. Can you do it again? Sure, yeah. Oh. <laughs> One more. There you go. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, guys. And that's what that's the photograph you wanted, not the one with you didn't want one with the catch a van people. Okay. Right. Uh, there'll probably be some comments on Facebook about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the people we rely on aren't here. Are we going to take a break or uh, a recess? Okay. Uh, we're going to recess for uh, five minutes. Oh, we're recessing now. Mr. Townsend, because uh, you weren't here. You weren't in the starting block, so.
Okay, we will reconvene uh, and we're at new business. So there's a briefing note to be uh, gone over regarding operating and capital uh, variance variances. Good evening, Council. Um, here to go over a briefing note uh, regarding the uh, variance report for operating for, for the period uh, up to and including August 31st, 2020. Uh, this this format of the format of this report is is the same as that has been in the past. So uh, overall, the revenues are projected uh, in an unfavorable. In, unfavorable variance of $112,800 uh, for various reasons. Um, many items were reported in the previous uh, report and I won't go over those, uh, but the new items that we've uh, identified is uh, taxation revenues are in an unfavorable variance of $18,000 to year end. And this is due to appeals and residential industrial properties throughout the year. Um, pool revenues are also um, projected uh, at a reduction of 60400 mm. in addition to the amount previously reported. This is due to the COVID impact. Expenditures overall are, are uh, forecasted to be at a variable variance of $286,900 to year end uh, based on the items previously identified. And then new items that have been identified include a reduction of $15,000 uh, in administrative contract services uh, due to uh, expected uh, reduction in legal fees. Uh, bylaw enforcement supplies and materials projected to be in an unfavorable variance of $7,000. And this is due to the purchase of additional clothing and protective items for our new peace officers. Uh, this, uh, Further list of items um, that uh, have been identified uh, 
Public Works vehicle costs are projected in an unfavorable variance at $49,000 a year and mostly uh, pertaining to maintenance to heavy equipment and machinery. If you have any questions on any of these identified variances, I'd be happy to, to go over them. Uh, water and wastewater, water and wastewater operations. Um, throughout eight months of the year, the water and wastewater fund is projected is projecting a deficit position of about sixty-four thousand nine hundred dollars, um, mostly uh, due to overall. Revenues being overall projected in an unfavorable variance of $93,100. And this is uh, due, the revenue reduction is due mostly to uh, the weather related. Um, it was wet this year, so people probably weren't watering their lawns as much or, um, you know, cooling themselves in the sprinkler. And also the correction center is not utilizing the services as of yet. Uh, we've got deferrals and penalties uh, of about $5,100, and there is a reduction in bulk sale projections of $18,000 for the year. Overall, the expenditures for water and sewer are it's expected to be an unfavorable variance of $28,200 to year end, um, largely due to the fact that uh, we had uh, big expenditures for the PAC. Pat's Creek flood of $51,900. And uh, various uh, water and wastewater um, repair and maintenance. One of the things that the administration would like to bring forward is uh, in the spring of 2020, the town received insurance proceeds for the ski hill pumps totaling $205,500. Well, this amount currently shows as a revenue in the operating fund, staff advises, uh, advise it to be transferred to the capital reserve to be used as a funding source for the pump and accessory building project. Council should expect to see a recommendation at a further uh, a future council meeting. Uh, what administration is recommending, is recommending the council approve the transfer of the insurance funds totaling $205,529 received for the ski pump uh, in 2020 to the general capital reserve to be used towards pro, uh, the future project. Questions of Mr. Schramm? The right wing? Yeah, the, um, the it was 51,000, the Pat's Creek flood uh, contracted services. Does that also fall into any disaster funding situation, kind of like the actual damage to the street and whatnot? We're um, hoping to receive uh, disaster recovery program funding for that. We have not uh, been confirmed for that, but we're still uh, discussing with the province and, and finalizing that. So that, that is our hope. Um, costs associated to the Pats Creek flood uh, would be eligible under the program and we do receive funding for it. The left wing now has a chance. Your Worship, uh, the jail is still not hooked up to the water 
program yet. I thought we expected that to be done by now. They are now. It, it just happened in the last 60 days. So um, we've seen the, the increase in the uh, uh, water consumption to the co-op. We're still finalizing the meter. Basically, the difference between this month and last month is to be allocated towards the, uh, the facility. Um, it just happened later, and I don't know. I don't know if it's COVID related or other. Um, we had expected them to be connected by the spring, and it just happened in, in August. I don't see any other questions, Mr. Schramm. So uh, thank you very much. Oh, is there more? There's also a briefing note on the uh, capital capital budget. It's uh, very straightforward. Okay. And uh, if there are any questions, would be uh, carry on with the capital then. Okay, carry on. Uh, this is a capital variance report. Uh, as of September 22nd, 2020, it uh, provides council a, a summary of the projects, the budget and the expenditures to date. Um, you know, with, uh, with COVID, I think a lot of the projects have been kind of held back or slowed down somewhat, but um, we are moving forward on a lot of them. Yes, Ms. Mazur. Um, Mr. Schramm, you might not be able to answer, but um, so a lot of the ones that have 100% of the funding remaining, um, do we really expect to spend that by the end of the year? That's probably not your... Uh, I can probably speak to a little of that, uh, Deputy Mayor, and that... Uh, most of the public works and equipment uh, budget will be expended except for the town hall planning upgrades, which we're deferring until we get a better picture of how we're doing the, uh, the access to that side of the building uh, that uh, we're, myself and Director Bell are currently working on. In terms of uh, the water wastewater projects, uh, we've encountered some uh, landowner issues with the Shaftesbury sewer main project, which is deferring that project and lift station number four. So most of those expenditures will probably be deferred until 2021. The uh, aeration tank uh, project uh, will be starting shortly. Uh, projecting actually is starting next week. So we will see the expenditure of all of that amount before Christmas. And the meter read software, we're just trying to arrange with the vendor to, to get that uh, project initiated. Uh, and maybe Director Town can talk to the fire protection portions. Um, yeah, and I think it's the same. We, uh, uh, we do expect to have those to be done or substantially done by year end. Thank you. Any questions from the right wing on the capital? No? Very good, Mr. Shem. Thank you very much. You definitely can go this time. Your, your worship, we could just have a motion to accept uh, both reports. Uh, that'd be good. Okay. 
Uh, Ms. Daly? Your Worship, it also requests that we approve the transfer of the insurance proceeds from the from the pumps. Did we need to make that in a separate motion, Mr. Parker? Um, we'd identified the future date back on the last variance report two months ago, so this is the future date. And um, if, if, if it could be done now, and this is a good process discussion, you know, that the auditor had identified. And again, it's the um, capturing council's intent um, to move this money into the reserves through motion, which is something that we show us back up during our year in process to uh, justify any changes to our reserve balances. Okay. Uh, why don't you go ahead, Ms. Downing, and make the motions necessary? Uh, Your Worship, I'd like to move that we uh, approve the transfer of the insurance proceeds totaling 205529 received for the ski pump, ski hill pumps uh, in 2020 to the general capital reserve to be used toward a future project. All in favor? And uh, the others? And Your Worship, I'd like to move that we accept the two variance reports uh, the operating variance report as of August 31st and the capital variance report as of September 22nd, 2024 information, I believe. Okay, all sure. right, well, Okay, uh, so we will now move to uh, the 2021 budget process. I'm assuming Mr. Town's going to lead the discussion on this. I could be wrong, but. Just bear with me, with me for a second and I'm going to bring up the proper report. Okay. Um, evening again, council. So before you is a report discussing uh, the expected 2021 operating capital budget timelines and, and discussions and uh, information around these approvals. So as we've uh, done in previous years, council and residents should expect to see a comprehensive budget document uh, similar to previous years. Again, its primary purpose is to provide council and citizens with a comprehensive overview of the town's budget the town's services and operations and the resources that fund those services. Um, and again, it's not just numbers. It provides a bevy of information, forecasts, and discussions about uh, the town's operations and the allocation of the financial resources that it, it undertakes. Uh, based on previous years, council has typically taken four or five meetings to complete budget deliberations. We tend to hold these within existing meetings, chunking out sometimes for budget discussions. And it will be broken down based on uh, budget or deliberation type items. So there'll be a, a section for capital budget, section for water sewer rate, section for service level changes, etc. Um, based on that, staff are proposing um, meeting dates starting on Monday, November 23rd, 2020, which would be the, the distribution of the budget to council and the public. Um, and then further meetings um, on December 7th, 14th, 
and then January 4th and January 11th with ultimate budget approval on, on January 25th, 2021, hopefully. Um, so again, very similar to what we've seen in previous years, very similar timeline to last year. Um, so if council has any questions or uh, concerns about this, we could, we could have that discussion. But again, this is mostly to um, apprise council of the staff proposed timeline to um, achieve our, our budget goals this year. Questions of Mr. Tao? Ms. Manzer. So um, in our ICF uh, deliberations, um, some of them have a capital component that we would have a discussion with the other counties and so on. When would we be ready to have those discussions if they are to happen, I guess? Um, I, I think the intent is, and um, most of those are capital type discussions. It's the intent at the staff level to have our capital um, budgets and plan ready by late October um, of this year and in future years. Again, to be able to have those preliminary discussions with our ICF partners. Nothing will be finalized until council has approved um, our both our operating and capital budgets. But again, this will allow us to start the conversations with our with our partners, um, allow them to make their appropriate plans to include within their budgets and, and discussions that are relating to that. So again, council, we will um, continue to consider budget um, workshops as we, we have in the past to, to be able to get council's concurrence on some of these items and um, plan around um, having our ICF meetings with our partners. Um, sometime in November of this year based on um, preparations done uh, in October and before. So does that mean the first budget workshop's gonna be on capital? Um, it'd probably be uh, an operating capital inclusive uh, workshop, again, just to confirm council's priorities and uh, review of strategic plans and, and those other items that we need to do to, to advance the budget at the staff level. I don't see any red lights going on. So I think everyone's satisfied. Uh, do we need a motion of some sort here? Uh, you do not. This was a briefing note. Um, and unless okay. council motion wanted. to accept for information, I guess. Mr. Good, all in favor. Good, that takes us to reports. We have one from the North Peace Housing Foundation. Uh, Mr. Scamhorn, do you want to speak to that? Underscore any anything? Uh, sure. The a uh, couple interesting things up. Uh, I suppose if you've been following along with uh, the latest news that uh, that's been coming out around um, infections happening and outbreaks and whatever happening in the lodges, so we have zero cases. Uh, currently in at the Deller Lodge in Manning. So there was an outbreak, it was a staff situation. No residents actually were were infected. And so that's been, that's over, that's all done with. And so that's kind of the big news that there. That was in Manning? That was in Manning, yeah. Okay. And um, the other interesting thing going on right now is with some of the provincial um, 
housing, community housing that North Peace Housing does, mm -hmm. but one of the new steps the provincial government was taking to kind of offload some of these, you know, some of these things that they've allowed uh, housing authorities to to take care of is to turn title over to them and allow for sale of those. So that process has been in the works for quite some time at North Peace Housing. And so those, uh, a number of those are now live. They're ready, they're ready to go. And, uh, and the signs are up. Hmm. So the goal there is um, with the sale of those assets, uh, North Peace Housing can achieve some of our other some of our other goals that we've been looking at doing and, and taking care of as well uh, in the business plan. If you want to read it, it's short. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Peace Library System board meeting highlights. Ms. Manzer, is that your uh, your committee? Yes, your honor. Um, major uh, new development is uh, after 20 some years, our um, Linda Dupuy uh, retired, and we have a new um, library director, new title, CEO, and it's Louisa Rob Robson. And she worked for a long time in um, government library, Edmonton, and is returning to Grand Prairie. That's the major thing. A lot of the libraries are like our Peace River Library, uh, restricted access to a certain extent, and um, um, our library, for instance, I think uh, they've uh, closed most of the computers down and have only a couple that are in use. And uh, it's a, a matter of the COVID kind of restrictions and cleaning and stuff like that. So I'd say that would be the highlights. Okay. Uh, Mighty Peace Tourism Minutes, who goes to that meeting? Is that you, Mr. Mr. Townsend? Ms. Bell? Oh, she's on Zoom. Carry um, on. Yeah, just a, a, one main thing to highlight is uh, the tourism operators within the region reported a very successful season. And this meeting was at the end of August, I believe, and most of them were reporting that their tourism season was extending right through till October, which was um, quite unusual for a lot of them, horseback riding, those types of activities. So people are traveling within your region or within your province and tourism operators in some of the tourism operators within the region are really benefiting from a lot of that more local travel. So that was kind of the main highlight. Um, Laura Love with the museum is um, now a board member and was voted on to the board. Um, that Those are the big pieces from the AGM, but I'm regularly attending those meetings and we're already a part of a um, campaign for this winter to highlight the Misery Mountain, the museum and the Bay Tex as a major campaign this, this winter, attracting people to come and enjoy our outdoors, families and otherwise. So I'm sure she's going to love being on the board. Yeah, just another board for Laura to be a part of. I was very quiet when they were asking for nominations. Okay, Preda update. 
So, Mr. Mayor, uh, I attended the uh, exec meeting, and um, at that, it was decided that uh, since it was already voted to have the 75 cents per capita uh, as the fee for the 2021 budget year, that the best way forward for Peace River's motion would be to bring it forth at the AGM in the spring of 2021, which then meant that if it passed, uh, it would affect the 2022 budget year. I should mention that at AUMA uh, last week, uh, Mr. Needham probably can confirm that um, the ministers were questioned four or five times about Preda or Rita's, which are like Preda, um, their funding. And it was kind of a topic that was uh, avoided in terms of an direct answer on funding so uh let me get this straight so you you pitched our proposal they said uh thanks we'll put it to a vote but that vote if it uh if it goes in your favor uh you'd have to wait till 2022 to see any benefit uh, yes, it would be brought up at the uh, AGM in the spring of 2021, where the fees for the 2022 year are discussed. So at this point in time, the fee is 75 cents per capita with a uh, uh, maximum for the County of Grand Prairie of 17,000 per year. Mr. Needham. Uh, yes, thank you, Your Worship. It, it, it's uh, a timely discussion. We just uh, had some budget dates uh, given to us, so I think we should deal with this PREDA matter tonight. Uh, I guess the other thing that's kind of disconcerting about this whole PREDA discussion, it seems like we spend more time talking about funding models than actual work that PREDA is supposed to be doing. Setting that aside, uh, from my perspective, PREDA did very little work in terms of the alternate funding model. I mean, let's be honest, uh, they dumped it back on us. Uh, Greg Town, our uh, chief financial officer, he's the one that uh, designed the two models. One was uh, all, all on assessment or the 50-50 model. And again, uh, Preda didn't do any work. Uh, they really dumped it back on us. Uh, we got 26 municipalities, we're paying 9%. Uh, I guess I'm suggesting to my colleagues that uh, we serve notice not to contribute in 2021, uh, how, an election year. So we, we serve notice not to contribute in 2021 uh, and then offer to reconsider PREDA in 2022 with a new council in place. So uh, I would welcome uh, the discussion and if a motion is in order, I would, uh, I would be willing to do so. Yeah, I'm I'm, uh, I'm with you on this one. I, I think I think we need to send Preda a message. Go ahead. Uh, thank you, Your Worship. I I do hear your frustration, Councillor Needham. I I I think when we come back to protocols, when this came to us, it was already a decision that had been made at their annual general meeting. Usually organizations that I've had experience with, we don't go back and make changes on our annual general meeting after our annual general meeting until the following annual general meeting. 
And I think that's part of what we're seeing here is that timeline. Well, are we, um, are Councilor, we an important part of their organ, organization or not what, an important part? I, I think if, I think organizations uh, go out of their way to take care of their important customers. And uh, I'd like to think that they think that we're an important customer. We contribute 9%. Uh, to me, this actually seems more like a money grab. It's kind of like, let's, uh, because we don't know that the 2022, the, the motion's gonna pass. And, uh, and it's almost like, well, let's grab this money now and we'll, uh, we'll wait till the council's change and there's a little confusion and we'll just, we'll get them for another 9,000 or whatever it is. Go ahead, Deputy Mayor. So I think our fee is more in the 6,000 or so at the 75 cents. However, um, lost track of what I was gonna say. <laughs> oh, um, yes, Preta actually um, presented to the executive several scenarios, um, all of which were based on population and all of which were like, should it be uh, 75 cents? Should it be, I forget what the numbers were, more than 75 cents, 60 cents, whatever. They presented those sorts of scenarios. And with this 2021 budget, they've also, uh, well, they did look for savings. They had to look for savings because they're receiving 50,000 less from the um, province. So the figure they came up with was the 56,000, which they were trying to um, gather through fees. And ours was about 6,000 of that, I believe. So, you know, they did do work, uh, but it wasn't work based on assessment. Although, yeah, go ahead, Mr. Just so we understand the timeline of discussions, because I think there, there could be something to consider there. Um, the, when was the decision made at Parita to go with the 75 cents um, on a per capita basis as a final? Like Elaine, you're talking about they had discussions of these models. When would, when would that have taken place? Was that, did they have any of those discussions at the last meeting? They had um, a discussion and an executive meeting, which was then brought forth to a membership meeting. I think it was in August. And that whole process was delayed because of the COVID business. Otherwise things would have been moved to last May timeframe. Okay. So really August, the, might as well say. The reason I'm asking the question is kind of is, is it reasonable to assume that in their view, not, not ours necessarily, but in their view, that had we wanted to bring this up, we had had an opportunity prior to that? I, I think they would suggest that um, not just Elaine speaking up at the meeting saying, well, couldn't we do something with assessment as well as population? Um, we did not at that point in time have some actual charts, et cetera, to present. Did we bring up the concept at the prior meeting that we would like to see some work done on 
a model, uh, at least at least tell them that we were looking at that as an interesting, the way something was, we wanted to consider. Yes, the way it was brought up was that PServer would like them to consider um, fees based on not just population, but also assessment. And then after that, they made the decision to mm -hmm. bring forth models that only depicted population no, models. After that, that message went back, the 75 cents went back to uh, member councils and they got a majority uh, of them to agree to okay, that scenario. My, my key question is this, was there a vote on anything after we had brought up the fact that we'd like to see some discussion on a combination of way of, on population and assessment? Was the decision to go to the 75 cents made after we had brought that up? Yes. But again, the caveat is that we said, what about doing something with assessment and population? We didn't say exactly what. Well, to be honest yeah. with you, I don't think we have to say exactly what. This is my personal opinion. Yeah. I don't think we do. They're not, um, how would I put it? They're not unarmed. They're not unaware that there are municipalities that are not happy with per capita funding. For us to bring that up in a general sense and say we would like a discussion that includes that and to have that discussion totally ignored, um, I think is the part that kind of bothers me. Because when you bring something up, somebody should respond in some way, even if they came back and said, look, we gave your, we gave your, your concept some thought, we're too far along in the process, whatever, 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 but we're going we're to go with this. But to have it brought up, at a prior time, and then to have it sort of dismissed summarily um, is I would, where I'm finding yeah. a little bit of discomfort. I would say at the August membership meeting, um, there were a few um, uh, members at that meeting that said, well, yeah, we might consider assessment sort of thing, but they were like maybe two or three out of the group. I'm very comfortable with sending a message at that point, uh, personally, on the basis that they had a chance to offer recognition. They had a chance to at least deal with the fact that um, not too many other people went in on side. Still doesn't make any statement as to the validity of the question. The fact that in my mind that it was kind of ignored after that, and they brought forth other they discussed different amounts. So I go back to the executive discussed different amounts and the executive decided that the 75 cents was the one to present to the membership rather than some other per cap quotilla. Yeah, I'm somewhat along the same lines as you do. And, and actually, when we get down to our budget process, we usually have a $12,000 item, of which this would cover half of that, that we're always waffling on whether we should charge more taxes, whether uh, for a bigger fireworks display or not. And it'd probably be nice to have that extra 6,000 hanging around. Mr. Scamhorn, you got any thoughts on this? Um, no, other than I'm, I'm, I would agree that like assessment is ability to pay. And if it's going to be just 
you know, ignored whenever it's convenient by people. Sure. I mean, ignore your peril if you don't want to talk about things fairly, but that's what's fair. So I'm, um, I'm in agreement to, uh, to put a hold on that contribution. And I think we can find a better use for that money. Mr. Ford. I spoke about this at a, at a previous meeting back in the day, and I'm totally on board with, uh, Councillor Needham and, uh, Councillor Scammonhorn and yourself on this and the same with, uh, Councillor Good. Just a clarification for the record. I, I agree that it speaks to ability to pay basically because a large amount of industrial assessments have really lo very low input costs. And that's been talked about quite considerably by economists in Alberta for the last 20 years. The other, but it also speaks to the fact of business that Prita is economic development. Economic is business as not people directly. So to have the business, to have the business portion of that of the taxes contribute a portion, which it doesn't. In this case, you're speaking out. You're basically on population. You're not taking into the in taking into the the economic assessment into consideration of the support for Prita is where I have a disagreement also because I think it's a component along with ability to pay that has to be considered. So. Before I ask for, before I let Mr. Needham make any motion, uh, do you either, Ms. Downing or Councillor Downing or the Deputy Mayor wish to uh, make any last comments? Go ahead. Your Worship, I appreciate the, the input that's come around our table. I don't have that information immediately in front of me. And I feel like now I'm trying to make a recall of, of the situation, um, sort of what, what was actually presented, what those numbers actually look like, um, and whether we put on the table our uh, suggestion again or not, and maybe another timeline of the dates before we move ahead with the decision uh, would make it easier for me to feel comfortable voting on that. Uh, uh, Deputy Mayor, any last comments? Oh. Um, well, <laughs> um, I, I know what you're all saying. Uh, the other thing I would add into it is um, we got out of uh, another uh, regional um, group uh, last year. Uh, this is about our last regional group with the exception of Peace Regional Library, which we are legally obligated to uh, and mighty Peace part Tourism. Uh, mighty Peace <laughs> Tourism, yeah. Consider that one as well. So I'll just put that part out there. You you kind of are stuck with delivering the bad news. So for that, I'm sorry. That's that that part isn't fair. So when when would we have to make a decision? I'm I'm just thinking about Councillor Downing's request that she would like to see a little more information. Do we have to is there some sort of notice deadline that we have to give Frida or uh, or is we can we can say on January the 1st uh, Frida we're not uh, we won't be we won't be um, a participant in this upcoming upcoming calendar year or do we 
course, it's probably better for their budgeting purposes because then they can appeal to to uh, uh, MD of Greenwich to to make up what uh, they're losing from us uh, for them to know earlier rather than later. So I, I'm not sure uh, what the notice is. Um, I know one municipality said at 75 cents they would be uh, not members of Credo last year or next year. If your worship gives me about two minutes, I have the uh, um, terms of reference and I could just look it up. Okay, if you could do that. Just, just a question without asking for the identification of the municipality, I think the name is to some degree irrelevant. Would that have been a rural municipality or pardon me, a rural municipality or an urban municipality? Do you know offhand? I can't recall. I just think it was small. And I, I sorry, can't. Okay, I'd, I'd be interested in having that information. So you want you want to I'm, I'm fine with the deferral to the one of the next meetings just to get that information, but it doesn't really matter to me. I mean, I, I'd have to see something fairly substantial that I'm in error on the information I have before I would care. Sounds like good. It's not in the document at all. So uh, it basically, the way I read it is we could get, just give notice and say, uh, this would be our last year and we, we'd advise that uh, we'll reconsider for 2022. So you would still prefer to get the information? I'm surprised that we are being, that we're prepared to make a decision about this tonight. Okay. I did not come okay. prepared to make a decision about this tonight. And, and uh, well, Mr. Yeah. Good wants one more piece of information. So perhaps we can have administration put together a briefing note on well, I, I guess if that's the, the will of council, I, I, I just fail to see. Preta is just playing, playing. They're just playing with us. Like this has been going around and around and around. They, they dumped it back on us. We came up with, Greg came up with the funding models. It goes back to them. They look at it. They throw, us, throw it in our face and said, thank you very much. Where are you going to use population in 75 cents? Like, what 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 else are we going to get from administration? Well, like, I, uh, like budget time is here. It's time to bail on it. Okay, uh, let me rephrase that. I have a motion, Your Worship, and you, if you'll accept it, I'll put it on the floor. If you won't accept it, I I, I guess I won't put it on the floor. Well, just uh, just out of respect for Councillor Downing, who wanted some information and wasn't prepared to deal with this motion today. And likewise, Mr. Good, is is there a meeting next next week? It's a GMP next week. No. Oh, GMP. Okay. And, but there, is there a meeting after that, or is that all? That is correct. It's it's the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, if I may, yeah. the uh, organizational council is being held next week and Preeti is an appointment to the council. So I will check with Mr. Parker, but it's possible council could make a presentation or a decision at that time. Oh, well, uh, they, they put together a briefing note to get, get Councillor Downing the information and then we could vote as to whether to chop that committee or not. 
as part of the information, I would, again, my memory for dates is not 100%. Um, Mr. Town, as to when you put together those proposals for the numbers and when those would have been delivered to Preta or how those would have been communicated to the Preta membership. We have that, sir. I just can't access it uh, tonight off of this computer. Thank you. Thank Microsoft Your, for that. Your, Your Worship, thank you for considering what I have to say. Having said that, uh, I mean, the, you know, I'm only one vote on this council, and uh, and if you accept a motion from the floor today, then I will vote my conscience on it. So you're okay with doing a vote today? Well, how about you, Mr. Good? I think I guess I'm comfortable with the principle that we have to that we have to get away from these population-based models on just about everything that goes on. We have regional votes that are based on the number, you know, based on population. We have regional decisions made on population. We have funding made on population and, and assessment. Everybody talks about you can't talk about assessment. You can't talk about assessment. The whole of the ICF processes, we can't talk about revenues, can't talk about revenues. I'm getting tired of the fact that one half of the economic equation is always being ignored and that half of the economic equation or more than half of the economic equation is never being considered in the funding of municipalities and then especially in the funding of urban municipalities. As the principal, sooner or later, I mean, I've been talking, I've been working, every council I worked on, um, previous councils all brought this up all the time. We brought it up all the time. We brought it up policing costs, population, policing costs, population, um, this organization, population, this decision, population, this negotiation, population, da 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 population. And sooner or later, you got to sit there and say, no, no more of this. And so to that extent, without even, I mean, I hate, it's unfortunate maybe the parade is the organization that's gonna bear the brunt of the, of the decision, but they're not, I know Preta is not unaware that urban municipalities are not totally happy with a, a population-based model and they can't claim ignorance of that. So I'm fine and, with that. And to be fair to you, uh, what you're saying, Mr. Goodwin, you wanted to go with the 50-50 model as opposed to 100% assessment model, if I recall correctly. So. I believe that population is a factor. Yeah. I just don't believe it's the only factor. And, and that would have, uh, so we we would have, yeah. I, I'd prefer just to get it over <laughs> because I know how the votes are gonna split, right? Even if you had the information, I don't think the others would make a, make much of a change. On, on the position, so so could we entertain it? Okay. Okay, Mr. Needham. Is that a green light, Your Worship? Yes. I, I, I failed miserably on my COVID motion to expedite a funeral home rezoning, so I'm very cautious about putting my toe in the water and just embarrassing myself. Uh, in in as few words as, as possible, Your Worship, uh, I would suggest that Council serve notice and not contribute for 2021 PREDA fees and reconsider in 2022. Okay, fair enough. All in favor? Against? 
Okay, I think that motion has passed four to five to two. An Amish vote? Yeah. Well, I don't, okay, I, I, no, I'm not going to, particularly on uh, public radio here. <laughs> it's, it's called democracy at work. Yes. Oh, okay. Thank you. I get you now. Um, so there is also uh, Europe on this one as well, Deputy Mayor, uh, meeting with the provincial ministers regarding assessment review. So this happened in Valley View uh, last Friday, and there were about uh, 50 uh, representatives in attendance from various uh, municipalities, mostly um, counties and MDs. Uh, a few of us urbans were there. Um, it was uh, with um, Minister Allard, the new Municipal Affairs Minister, uh, Minister Taves, who's financed, and Todd Lowen, who's the MLA for uh, that area. Uh, MLA for Peace River, Dan Williams, I think was on the phone. It was hosted by the MD of Greenview. And uh, major discussion about the uh, oil and gas assessment question. Uh, Minister Allard um, indicated that um, she needed a little more time to come up with a, a final recommendation. However, at that meeting, she indicated that she hoped to have an interim recommendation by October 1. And uh, Minister Taves, I think it was, said that the interim recommendation would not be one of the four scenarios that was uh, presented uh, previously. So uh, Minister Allard was also uh, stating that she was questioning um, uh, what the problem was that was being solved by this um, change. So she needs to get her mind around that and um, do some more studying, uh, considering the whole matter before she comes up with a recommendation. At AUMA, she said that she hoped the recommendation would now be uh, near the beginning of October. So who knows what it will be, but apparently not one of those four um, recommendations. So uh, she gets the point that the urbans are um, um, affected by uh, this whole conversation as well as the rules and um, understands uh, that there are major differences um, between municipalities as to how this will affect things. Her um, point was that she wanted both municipalities and oil and gas companies to remain viable and needed to come up with some, some way of handling that aspect. Sounds good. Any questions of the deputy mayor on that? Yes, Mr. Good. Just a comment. That question, what is the problem that is being solved, in, in all honesty and with all credit to Minister Allard, that question properly examined is an, actually a very, very good question. And I'm actually very gratified to see somebody asking such an open-ended question that could lead to some real honest discussion. And uh, a lot of times that I think the questions are put out there um, almost as a smokescreen. I, I accept this one as being an, an actual honest question because it, it doesn't preclude any any answer and uh, seeing this actually was very interesting to see. So 
all credit to the minister on the question. I think it's a very good one. Okay. Good. Um, so if I can have a motion to accept for information items uh, 11.1, 11.2, 11.3, and 11.5 for information. So moved. Who, who was that? You? Okay. All in favor. Um, so there's a couple of uh, information items. A uh, proclamation request for World's uh, Cerebral Palsy Day on October the 6th, 2020. Uh, I don't think there's, there's anyone that's going to object to that. Uh, there's also a letter from NAV Canada to stakeholders. Um, interesting letter. Uh, is there anything you want to add to that, Mr. Parker, or? Uh... Uh, yes, uh, Your Worship. Uh, NAV Canada, as it's stated, is uh, looking at uh, the different services that will be offering uh, across Canada. And uh, part of the services is either reduction in, in services and areas or closing of uh, possible services. Uh, we have an FSS uh, right here in uh, Peace River at the airport, and they're looking, it's one of the, I think, out of seven uh, that they're looking across Canada, or sorry, yes, yeah, six, they're looking across uh, Canada to actually uh, close completely. Uh, they are looking for submissions in October, uh, and they, they would be want to know uh, where we'd be uh, looking at uh, in this issue here. Oh, okay. So, uh, and how many, uh, how many jobs will this affect, Mr. I'm not sure. I think maybe three, possibly uh, locally. Three or four? Because you'd think those people would work shift work, so 24 7. So I, I, I couldn't tell you in the region there, Your Worship. Maybe you can get that information for I us. I do that. Because basically, this letter is saying is. They want to consolidate and uh, well, they've been basically uh, they've been affected. And uh, what, what happens? Uh, they're, they're looking at one of the radical things you can take a look at. They're even looking at their pension plan and adjusting their pension plan, which tells me that there are some issues that they have uh, financially. So um, they are looking at it. Um, and 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 just for our purposes, we only have two organizations that are at uh, the tower right now, and they are one of them. And the other one is uh, the car rental place. And the car rental place has asked us, is there another location in town that they could go to? Oh. So it looks like we might just have them left. And so it's a net uh, driver for us. We actually, by keeping that uh, operation open, that building open, it actually costs us money in the long run. So Yeah, so they're not, uh, they're not, Paying the full cost of the terminal building. No, they're not. They're really, the only ones that use it. Yeah, basically, yeah, that's that is correct. And uh, so, um, but then again, uh, you know. But it 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 does uh, it does it does mean though for presumably for jobs that get lost out of Peace River economy and the. Uh, and, and the economic uh, duplication that money provides in a uh, small community. 
uh, I believe there's at least one individual, if not two, that are eligible for retirement locally anyway, so. So, so Mr. Mayor, uh, Mr. Parker, um, you mentioned that uh, they were asking us what we thought about this. Is that what they're? Well, they, they will eventually be going out to, to the stakeholders and saying, if you want to um, put in an application or, or just some comments, you can do so. you should be thinking about this and, uh... i have a question um there's potential for a future or another organization to be operating at the airport would we be would would this be something that we would want to say um lobby to keep so that when it goes into their hands they have more options as opposed to making the decision for that organization ahead of time is this is what we have done we've actually passed the information on to the organization and currently they would uh uh they see that uh that piece of that building is a drain on finances so if they're trying to get close to a, a net zero so they they can actually uh, break even um this would be an operation where they would be fine with um uh, this organization leaving right okay go ahead uh, thank you, Your Worship and Mr. Parker. I appreciate uh, Councillor Scamahorn's comment because that was something that was certainly in my mind. I know nothing about this industry, but when I look at this list, I see three uh, tra air traffic service facility closures under consideration in Alberta, right? Um, I'm guessing at some of the other, other provinces, but I do notice three. I look at the overnight flight service stations closures under consideration. I see Port St. John on that list. So then I'm going to, you know, project that it's looking like it's going to be Grand Prairie that is the is the tower for our region. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm guessing that their technology is is very advanced in Grand Prairie because they'll need to navigate the weather between Peace River and high level, which we all know that in the wintertime is at least 10 degrees difference and can be a completely different landscape from, you know, the morning in Peace River and then the morning in high level. So I appreciate that this is a net expense. Um, I, you know, I would say, is there a way for us to do that in a different area at the airport? Just, you know, to put it on the table. And, and is this something that we should have a second look at. I know nothing about it. This is simply my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. So um, they're not asking for us to submit anything at this time, right, Mr. No, Mr. no Parker? not at all. So, no. But you do expect a letter where they'll do some public consultation with us. Yeah, I, I believe they're going to ask us to, to submit something. And, and we will, uh, so this will give us an opportunity to, to sleep on it, soak it in, uh, maybe discuss it with people in the community and, uh, and uh, perhaps you will have, uh, have done something in terms of, uh, of uh, the airport, uh, a decision made whether we hang on to it or whether we're able to, uh, to, to give it over to someone else and, and uh, and if we do that, uh, perhaps we could leave the the lobbying in their hands rather than having us do it. But maybe we would 
if that organization wanted to, we could support them. Yeah, and, and if that's and, the case. And, uh, but I think councillors should be prepared for uh, that you come back and say that uh, uh, we, we won't be able to do anything with the airport except hang on to it. And then we need to make the decision ourselves. And, and uh, I think Councillor Downey brought up some good uh, points there. I can't answer those questions either, but I will look at, uh, you know, the concept of everything like that there, because I think that is kind of, um, I, I can't answer it off of that either. So uh, we'll definitely look at some research and get some information. Okay. Well, just, uh, I, I know you want to move along your worship, so I'll, I'll, I'll be very quick. So, I mean, it makes perfect sense to me that, uh, when we get to that discussion point that there are a couple of major commercial operators out of the airport. So obviously they need to be uh, engaged in this discussion, but uh, I should be clear to the public that's listening. Uh, a flight service station is not critical to the operation of the airport. So people should not assume that we need a petition that says save the airport, because that's not the case. You do not need a flight service station to operate an airport. There are many, many, many airports that uh, do not have a flight service station. Uh, again, if there's some sort of consultation process, I'm sure they'll look at all those regional services. I know there also is a Peace River Mini Air Force and the, the, the Mini Air Force doesn't use our airport. They have a private strip out at Berwyn. Uh, so those pilots see little value in our airport and in the service, so they don't need it. So I, I think there needs to be a close examination in terms of what those services are and what we're going to be losing. In the old days, uh, they used to actually send a balloon up about three times a day and take barometric pressure, uh, report it to Nav Canada. Those days are long gone. Uh, uh, to Councillor Downing's question, uh, the Nav aids, flight probe, uh, cell phones, the technology they use now, it's pretty amazing stuff. So there, there isn't somebody standing on the roof with a thermometer and their thumb in the wind anymore. Those, those days are gone. But again, I think if we have that uh, consultation process, if you will, uh, certainly the commercial guys at the airport, uh, some of the local pilots and certainly the business community, I, it, it makes perfect sense. But uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily think it's a doomsday. Yes, there is a job loss and that needs to be certainly talked about and as important, but it's not, as long as people listening don't connect the flight service station with the closure of an airport, because that's not going to happen. Okay. Good. Excellent. So on that note, we will uh, maybe just a motion to accept uh, the items under uh, uh, section 10 information for, uh, or Except information for information, I guess. <laughs> okay, all in favor. Um, comments from the public. Is there anyone on Zoom or YouTube that wants to uh, say anything? Because there's no one left in the gallery here. Uh, if not, um, I will move on to uh, Ms. Hume. And if you want to speak to what you think were the key communication items tonight, Ms. Hume? Yes. Hello. Hello. Um, you might well, want to turn the volume up. Sorry. 
You might want to turn the volume up. Hello, can you hear me? Barely. Well, it's the mic on my laptop, I suppose, and that's the issue. Um, looking at tonight's meeting, uh, the land use bylaw for funeral services, it's uh, a fairly slim meeting. We'll be doing some promotion around Orange Shirt Day on Wednesday. Okay. We put out a call for community members to wear orange in honor, and we'll be uh, collecting photos from various work sites from the municipality and sharing them along with the picture we took tonight. The okay. big one for me right now. Okay, excellent. Um, and uh, if if I can have you stick around for the in-camera session, Ms. Yim, that'd be helpful. I can be available. Okay. Um, I think we will uh, we will uh, bring a close to the open meeting and go to the in-camera session. So that will require us uh, taking a recess and rebooting to a different Zoom meeting. Okay, thank you.